The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hey, everybody, for the first time in three weeks, uh, I heard you missed us. We're back. We brought our pencils. Van Halen. Nothing. We brought our pencils. Hop, hop for teacher. Anyway, it's Lou DiPietro, Chris Sheeran. Lou DiPietro, yes. Chris Sheeran, yes, on the Twitter machine. And you could uh, find us on the Facebook. Uh, just type in The Chris Sheeran Show and give us a like. Chuck us a like. Give us a follow, yeah. if you will. Chuck us a like. It's not going to hurt you to make a little click noise on the old computer. And then every week when we do this two times, two times, like uh, Jimmy and Goodfellas, he went to get the papers, get the papers, you get this podcast. You get a little uh, announcement, a little, uh, you know, it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. You get that little one in your Facebook app. That's right. On your phone. The Chris Sheeran Show has a new post. Yeah, there you go. So... I hope I just made you feel all warm and fuzzy inside because we care about our listeners. Hopefully you care about us as well. Well, the reason why we were gone for three weeks, I think. Wow. February 29th was our last show, so it is exactly three weeks. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, people are just hungry, I guess, to hear our voices again. I got some uh, tweets. I got some direct messages from our listeners uh, saying, when's your next podcast? (laughs) We need to... We need to get another Chris Sheeran show going here. So here it is. Well, our spring break lasted a little longer than we anticipated yeah. because we moved our, our equipment into a new studio. Yeah. The studio is now my office. We got a nice little desk and a TV. It's pretty cute. Yeah. Quaint. It's nice. We'll, we'll, we'll send pictures to the Facebook page. So now you have to uh, give us a like on Facebook so you can see the pictures of our new studio. They are exclusivo, as they would say yeah. in Spanish. Maybe I'll take the stuff that decorates my desk and I'll de- decorate around the podcast area, like with the Caddyshack gopher and my Reggie bar and our 1987 Topps baseball card gum. Which you may remember seeing me chew on YouTube, Ooh. and it tasted tremendous. <laughs> I got Godzilla. I got Tony Gazzo. It's, it's full of I crap. can bring a bobblehead Just doll like in me. here. Yeah. yeah, you could help decorate. You could bring Serrano in here, dude. Ah, Joe Boo. That would dress it up nicely. Nice. Um, but anyway, Lou is in Tampa with the Yankees, and I was in Minneapolis and Toronto with the Nets. So we're back, and uh, Lou is going to tell us about his uh, little excursion down to Tampa. So what I, went on when you were down there? Bud? I got to tell you, the one great thing about the excursion to Tampa is that nothing remarkable happened. And that's a good thing this year for the yeah, Yankees. It is now. Jacoby Ellsbury—they were negative, you know. CT scan and the and the X-ray, yeah. You know him Saturday notwithstanding, nothing, nothing of major craziness happened. Nobody got hurt, nobody got fired, nobody did anything crazy. It was it was relatively status quo, which which was nice. Um, three things I can tell you that I saw while I was down there that have continued since I've been back. And yes, your microphone is a little. Pull off. Maybe we can yeah. reverse the. No, reverse that's all right. The, uh, that's that's fine. Reverse these next week. We're still figuring it out. Uh, number one, um, if it's truly a competition for the fifth starter, CC Sabathia will be in the bullpen for the first time in his career. Do you really believe that? No, I don't. Um, that's why I said if it's truly a competition, because I, 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 I don't, we, I don't believe we, that. We could talk about that too, but please go on. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that in the slightest because. Let's be honest, CC hasn't pitched well enough to merit a roster spot, let alone a rotation spot. So, I mean, there's that. Um, You're putting him out in the bullpen to basically not pitch. Yeah. When's he going to pitch? Yeah. Is he going in to get a big out? Is he going in to get a lefty out? No. He's, 
He's your mop-up guy. Yeah. One gets away from a starter. So you're going to tell me you've got to – and I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Joe Girardi could come out and say it. Brian Cashman could come out and say it. They're bringing the best five. I have never seen before – and I don't want to talk about salary. Listen, the guy's making $25 million this year. $25 million. He's not sitting in a bullpen picking his rear end making $25 million. Now, I get – I hear the fans out there. That it's a detriment to the team. I, I've, I read the tweets. I read them. I went through them. Because I said, if you think he's not going to be in the rotation, you're foolish. You are. So then I got the inundation of tweets. And then my favorite thing of all time, two people start going back and forth. And they at mention me. Not even like, I'm not even in the conversation yeah, anymore. And you're just getting multiplied. And I'm just getting, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So... Don't think that I don't respect what you're saying or, or think you're wrong. I, I, I don't. Like, your, your way of thinking is conventional wisdom. What, what you're thinking, him being in the bullpen, should happen. But it's, it's not going to. It's not going to. Yeah, I, I don't know. The best five thing, you know, like... I feel like the only way Nova's going to get in the rotation is if somebody gets hurt or Severino was so bad. But he's, he's but been, he hasn't been good. Been, so, right. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. I mean, CeCe looks like he's got nothing left. I got to be honest. He's, we, we love CeCe. Did you, but, but were, you, were, you, were you there for a game he pitched? I was there for the game he pitched on Sunday against the Phillies where he had the error. And I'm using air quotes because he literally just couldn't bend over to pick the ball up. Like, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but he literally just couldn't bend so over to pick the ball. So that's a knee thing. And there's stuff in his contract for a shoulder thing mm-hmm. about the contract vesting. Right, because it was signed in 2013 or right, whatever it was, right. 2012. Well, yeah, no one, no one was going to think the knee, the, yeah. the shoulder is obvious. So if he has knee problems and can't make a certain amount of starts, that's not going to affect the contract, right? It vests based on him... Yeah, there's three three there's scenarios, three all of which yeah. are shoulder injuries. It's either six relief appearances, finishes the season on the DL, or spends more than a certain amount of time on the DL. But only from a shoulder injury. Only from a left shoulder injury, yeah. That's the only way the contract does not pass. Yeah, there's a $5 million buyout, and I don't know if there's spooky language in there that maybe they can do. I don't know. But CeCe looks like he's got very little left. And even you know his first start, he pitched two innings against, um, I forget if it was the Mets or the, the Marlins. But he looked good, you know, for six batters. And then the, the, the second game, he just it, it all fell apart. He, he gave up a double to Ryan Howard after that error, and then he got out of the inning. And then the second inning, he just got hammered around. Uh, let me throw a couple of scenarios at you there, Mike. Sorry. I, I don't know why dog comes into my head sometimes, but he does. But first, I think if he keeps throwing the way he did against Philly and the, the way he did against Baltimore, I think maybe an injury comes into play. And he, he stays in Tampa for extended spring training. A shoulder injury comes into play? Something. Something. That way the Yankees still take their five best, and CeCe kind of marinates down in Tampa for a little while off the radar. He continues to get work. Maybe his knee isn't strong enough. Maybe he came to – now, he did work out. I did see the off-season training program. It was on – We did a Yankees magazine yes. about it, yeah. Yes. So it's not like he didn't – try to prep to get ready for the season. He did. And even, I think he even worked harder this year than he has in previous years. Knowing he had to. Yeah. Right, right. So I think the only way he doesn't make the rotation 
is if that first scenario happens or if they trade the guy. <laughs> That's the yeah. only way. I mean, there's a possibility that an injury comes up. He's not ready. You know, they send him to Tampa for EST. And, 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 and that wouldn't be a bad a thing, weeks. right? And no, it wouldn't because, I mean, the, the Baltimore game just, again, he – he says he's working on some stuff. He says he's all the right things, but Nova got knocked around a little bit this weekend. He gave up, I believe, four runs in four and two thirds, or four and a third in uh, Fort Myers against the Twins on Sunday. But prior to that, he had given up two runs in nine innings, three starts, two runs, nine innings. CC Sabathia has given up two runs in an inning three times. Yeah. So now, like, it's not like it's just random damage. Why? Why Jeez. is it that Jackie Bradley Jr. almost hit one out, and his helmet came off at the same time? Like the helmet came down over his eyes. <laughs> he still almost put one out. That's a very nice stadium, by the way, Space Coast Stadium that the, oh, the yeah? Marlins and the uh, the Cardinals, Cardinals share in Jupiter. Yeah, it's, that's a really nice place. Anyway, go ahead. What was I saying? I'm sorry. You were talking about uh, Ivan Nova and CC. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing with CC. And it's those two, the, 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 the two scenarios that I threw out there before. Now, Nova, as Lou said, got touched up for the four runs. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this question. Why is it that Bartolo Colon, who used to be a power pitcher, just like CC Sabathia, he's successful between 86 and 88, and CC isn't? Location, location, location. Just like real estate. Bartolo Colon. Is that a knee thing? Because it's his right knee and it's his plant knee. It's possible, yeah. I mean, Bartolo is... You know, and this is after Jack Curry tweeted a, a while back. It was those five points. Remember, we did, mm-hmm. I think it was our last show before. Yeah. We, Gene Michael said he, he, it was, this was the best spring he's seen CC in, in, in a long time. Yeah, well, it hasn't carried over to games, unfortunately. Look... Bartolo has he changes planes. His fastball and his changeup are about the same speed at this he's point. He's still so got the wicked movement on his, right. his two seamer. That's too. what it is. CC CC's had no movement on his two seamer. His two seamer to lefties has flat. been flat. Flat. And that's who did a lot of the damage against Philly. Now you look at the things too. I say Nova got knocked around yesterday. Um the game was on MLB network at like two AM. So mm-hmm. I DVR'd it and watched it a little bit this morning. And I knew what had happened because I wrote a recap of it based on on you know, watching on an MLB TV. Right. The first, the second inning, he gave up three straight singles or two singles in a walk. Three guys got mm-hmm. on. He got three ground balls. The Yankees couldn't turn a single double play. So he gave up two runs, probably could have been one if they could have turned a double play on either of the first two. But you look at that, it's like, oh, he gave up two runs on three hits in that inning. Well, he gave up three, two bleeder singles, one clean one, and then three ground balls. Whereas you look at CeCe's inning against the Phillies, and guys were hitting him double, double down the line, single, hard hit. Everything was hard hit. So there's a difference even just within the numbers of what, what he's looked like versus Anova's looked like. I want to go back to what you said when we started talking about CeCe, and that was we love CeCe Sabathia. And I do. I do. Because this guy, he will go out there and throw pitches until his kneecap comes off Mm-mm. or his shoulder pops out and mm-hmm. flies into the dugout. That's the kind of competitor, that's the kind of pitcher you're getting. However, you know, these contracts that were handed out, like when, when Alex opted out, when CC opted out, now look, they're not stupid. They took care of their futures. You cannot blame a player for doing that. No, not It's at in all. their best interest to opt out if there's an opt out in the contract. Now, but giving them that 
amount of time and that amount of money, especially at the age they were at. That look at Robinson Cano. He was thirty-one at ten years. I was just going to say not that. He's not in New York. The Yankees are stopping this stuff, and and it's it, it's a good thing because this is what you're seeing with CC Sabathia. This guy, whether you like it or not, is going to be the fifth starter. In this rotation. Jacoby Ellsbury is the last guy even, I think, at 29 that's going to get. Yeah. I mean, he's the last guy. He's 32 now. I forget, you know, semantics when he signed the deal is how old he was when he signed it. He's probably going to be the last one for a long while that gets that long of a deal at north of 30 right. or 30 and older. Bryce Harper's a different story. Yeah. In Jason, Jason Hayward getting eight years is a different story, too, because he's, what, 26? Right. So... You know, you look at Cano, you look at what Albert, what's happened to Albert Pujols. He's still right. productive, but he's been hurt on and off. That contract's going to be awful in a couple of years. A-Rod's contract already is awful, dis- despite A-Rod having a great year last year. <laughs> Let's call these contracts what they are. Awful. All they are is a 401k. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, A-Rod had a great year last year, but that contract, the last three years, has been looked at as poor. His second half wasn't too, wasn't no, too good Mark either. Teixeira, based on injuries and production, same thing. I mean, last year he was great, but he got hurt again. You know, you look, you look back at his deal and say the second half was definitely much worse than the first. And I saw you, you wrote about Beltron. Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not done. He uh, he wants to play twenty years. You know, it's a nice round number. This is nineteen. If he can hit two seventy with twenty home runs, you bring him back on a one year deal. That's not going to hurt you. I mean, you don't even have to. Some team will. Some team will sign a guy. Some some team will take a a flyer on forty or not. Especially an American League team that can use him at DH more often than the Yankees can with a rod contract. Go back to Kansas City if they need him. Yeah, I think Kendrys Morales is actually in his contract year, so that would work out perfectly. But, you know, an outfielder is going to hit 270, 275 with 20 home runs. I mean. Sign him up. Somebody will, somebody will give him $8 million. Yeah. The A's, gave, the A's gave a guy who was pitching in the Atlantic League this time last year $6 million to be their fifth starter. So anything can happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's true. I mean, Rich Hill was with the Yankees briefly at the end of the year two seasons ago, and he was pitching in the Independent League last year. Wasn't he a Red Sox, too? He was. He yeah. was a Red Sox at the end of the year. That's where he had those five starts and right, 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 right. earned himself a million dollars per good start. Hey, good September. for him. Good guy, so good for him. Again, we love Rich Hill, but truth. All right, so on to the, on to the second thing that I've noticed that has continued well in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Refsnyder is going to be on this bench. And, and he's going to be the backup third baseman. Yeah. We, what were we talking about? I, I was just thinking about this before I went up to do my case stuff. How you were saying, you know, what's going to happen at third base? You know, the Yankees, what, Chase Headley. You know, it's not Alex Rodriguez. That's for damn sure. Chase Headley needs a backup. Apparently they had a plan. <laughs> Ref, you know, he made an error. Air quotes error yeah, the other day. Eh. You know, it was a it was a tough ball. How many did Headley make last year in the majors? Yeah, Headley made twenty three, and many of them were a lot more egregious than that one. Um, and I got to be honest, I watched Chase Headley take infield one day on one of the backfield right in front of Mount Krause. <laughs> yes, he needs a backup. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say all about right. what I saw. He needs a backup. What happened to him? He's I, a he's a Gold Glover. What happened to Chuck Knobloch? I don't know. I mean, it is, is he what like it is. ten cup. Just going to keep shooting it shanks. over that water, like no matter what. Um, <laughs> is Rene Russo involved? By any I hope so. With the bullpen <laughs> car from Major League. But going, going back to Ref, I mean, he's I, – I talked to him. I, I did a story about it. I talked to Joe Espada a little bit about, um, about Ref's situation. And, you know, Espada talked about what they were working on and things like that. It's actually the first conversation I've had with Joe Espada in a little over a year, which was nice. Got to mm-hmm. know him a little bit. Um, 
And Ref said, you know, one of the things he said was, look, coming into second base, I had no idea how to play the infield. Now, I've played the infield my whole life in baseball. I've never played the outfield more than sparingly because I can't really track fly balls. I got a bad eye, mm-hmm. as you all know. I mm-hmm. missed three months of work because of right. it last year. I can't track fly balls. I can't really play the outfield. I can play the infield. I know the speed of the game. Coming from the outfield in, it's a whole different world. So even if it's the same side coming from you know being a right fielder in college, a second base, it's a whole different world. Second to third was a much easier adjustment because he now kind of has the idea of the basics of the infield and is just transferring it over to the other side. So it's, a, it's, a, it's not an easy transition per se, but it's a different transition with the same basics. So he's looked good there because, to be honest, he kind of knows what he's doing a little bit better. And he's also hit, and he's kind of going from one of those guys that's like, we're doing everything we can to keep him out of here to we're doing everything we can to keep him around. It's kind of a strange 180 in the last 365 on ref. It's been amazing. It it really has. I mean, he came up for the cup of coffee at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I could still see that home run he hit against the Red Sox and flying around the bases up there at Fenway. Um, You know, this kid has put in the work. He has. He's put yeah. in the work down at AAA. He's put in the work at spring training this year. I just saw Eric Boland tweet out today. He was, it's an off day. He's, he's out on the, one of the reserve fields taking ground balls. Yeah, out at the complex. He wants to make this team, and it's apparent that this kid wants to make this team. Right. He's, he's, put, he's, he's working hard. As Lou said, he's hitting the ball. He made the error, air quote error. Like I said, people, you know, people get, what's the word? What's the? It, it, it's all throughout politics now too. But it um, make America great again. Hashtag? No, not that. Sorry. Not that. Not never Trump. Not that. Um, Trust a heads. narrative. People brought up the narrative that he made a lot of errors, and now anytime someone brings up Rod Ref Snyder, whether they've watched him or not, he's error prone. Yeah. It's just like Pavlov's dog, Ref Snyder. Error. A lot of it was timing. He said it, and Joe Espada said it too. A lot of it was timing because, again, he didn't know the basics an of the position. He's an outfielder. I mean, uh, not everybody's Brock Holt, speaking of, who we're just looking at running to the mound as we're watching a Boston-St. Louis game on the Espen. Um, it's a lot of red. Not happening. everybody's Brock Holt that can play everywhere. Not everybody's Dustin Ackley who went from second base to left field and, and you know, this and that. So he's he's learning, he's a work in progress, but but right now I can honestly see him making this team as a backup, playing twice a week, you know, give Headley one day off a week, because Headley played a team high, I think, in games last year. He he led the team in games played. Playing for him once a week and then maybe third once a week if Tex gets a day off and Headley slides over to first. And it's more versatility for Girardi. Yep. You could throw him at third. Mm-hmm. You could throw him at second to spell Castro. He can play second if Gregorius is off and Castro's playing short. Short, right? It, it just <laughs> and you get four right-handed hitters and in your lineup against a lefty. And he's young. Yeah. He's one of these homegrown guys. Look, the American League East is wide open, wide open. It's mm-hmm. anybody's division. You know, you could talk all you want about Toronto, but you know the run they went on last year. The guy that went, helped them go on that run, the main reason is in Boston. David Price. And the Red Sox got exponentially better, especially with the pitching. Bringing in Price, bringing in Breslow to close. You mean Kimbrell? Oh, Kimbrell. Yeah. Sorry. Craig Kimbrell. But the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, 
it's going to be a dogfight between those three teams. And you know something? If Tampa could just hit. Yeah. If, they're, if their starters are healthy, if they could just scrape together some freaking runs, they're going to be in the mix, too. The Orioles spent the most money, I think. The Orioles could be in the mix, too, if they can out-hit their pitching. Correct. I mean, that's, I mean they're, the Orioles line... I, I'll be completely honest with you. You look at their lineups, one through nine, the starting lineups they're going to put out there on opening day. Mm-hmm. Regard, you know, forget platoon splits and things like that. Just look at the nine guys that are their nominal starters. And you wonder who has the best lineup in in the NL, or the AL East? Anybody who puts Baltimore third is underestimating them. I mean, they've got you know what Chris Davis can do, you know what Manny Machado can do. If healthy, you know what Weeders can do. Yeah, you know what Trumbo can do. You know what Adam Jones can do. You know what JJ Hardy can do. Uh, you made you know point. what Pedro Alvarez <laughs> can do. Like I mean, there's there's this is a bona fide yeah. lineup. The Yankees have a pretty good lineup. The Red Sox have a pretty good lineup. The Jays have a great lineup. You could make a case for Baltimore being number two in, the, in that division in terms of the starting lineup on opening day. By the way. You could make a case for them being four, depending on how you look at the Yankees and Sox, too. But there you go. Back to the Red Sox for a second. What, what, what is in the water in that clubhouse, by the way? Fried chicken and beer. Media and players and now managers cross-pollinating. <sighs> Hello? I don't know. That's... <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I mean, one, okay. Three? It's an epidemic. One, one, is, one is a happening, two is a coincidence, three is a trend. It's like Nesson and the Red Sox are Match.com. I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> anyway. And look how well that worked out for Will Middlebrook's career. Yeah. So, well, whatever. Who? Um... Anyway, back to ref and Headley. he married up. Yeah. One last, yeah, really. <laughs> one last, one last point on those guys. You know, Ref Snyder has two minor league options left, so he's got two years he could bounce back and forth, learn whatever. The Yankees are, to use a nice word, bereft of talent at bereft. the third base level in the minors. Their best third base prospect, Miguel Andujar, is probably going to be in Trenton, but he's been a second half player for three years now, so who knows. Their second best third base prospect is probably the kid they drafted this this past year, Donnie Sands, who played in the GCLs. He's nineteen; he's always away. You know, if Headley has a couple more years of the yips, and Ref Snyder keeps getting better, and he hits, who knows? Chase Headley could be a thirteen million dollar bench player yeah. in a couple of years. I mean, it, that's the way it kind of seems to be going. Last thought on the team: really feel like Austin Romine is going to be the backup catcher on opening day. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know what their numbers are through the weekend, but as of Friday or Saturday when we televised the game, Sanchez was one for 15. Yeah, Girardi thinks he might be pushing a little Romine bit. Romine was hitting 300-ish with a 900-ish ops. Sanchez had one hit, and it was an infield single to the shortstop on a play where they were shifted. Might be pressing. Might be pressing a little bit. And there's a lot to be said. I've said it all along. Other beat writers have said it all along. There's a lot... To like, for lack of a better word, about sending Sanchez to the minors for at least a month or two. Mm-hmm. 35 days delays his free agency a year, so we'll get the Chris Bryant gorilla mm-hmm. right off, off his back right away. But he could probably spend a month or two in AAA learning, playing every day, getting ready, and that's then maybe the, bring him up key. in midsummer. Playing, playing every day. Whereas Romine has always been a defensive quantity, but now he's hitting. He knows he's got a hit. He said it to everybody that's asked him. He knows he's got a hit. He's hitting. He's going to play twice a week. Maybe less in the first month because the Yankees have so many off days in April, but 
that also plays against Sanchez. If you have so many off days in April, how often is he really going to play? What's the point? I mean, Gustavo Molina was carried as a backup a few years ago to Russell Martin when I think Cervelli or somebody was hurt, and he played like three games in, in a month. Granted, Russell Martin's an Iron Man behind he the is. plate, but still. So is Brian McCann. Yeah. So that's really that's that's really it. I mean, the bullpen is still wide open. I think Jason Shreve's got a spot locked up. He's looked amazing this spring. Brian Mitchell has pitched very well, and I, I don't know. This is it. You got to figure out what you're going to do with him. He's out of options if you send him to the minors this year. You got to figure out what you're going to do with this guy. I mean, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? Like, well, they're stretching him out. I think he threw what four his last time out. He did, and then he threw two and two thirds uh, yesterday in relief in Nova. Okay, so he's 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 at the four sixty progression. So they're kind of tweening him, keeping him there just like, in case. Yeah, might start, might relieve. We like, don't know. Like yet. he's the seventh starter, but right now he might be like the number four guy in the bullpen right. pecking order too. Right. And you know, here's the thing about that, and I'll I'll bring it back around to our first point of discussion. Nova makes the rotation. And Sabathia, something happens where he's not going to start the season mm-hmm. on the team. Then you don't need a per se long man because you've got Mitchell who can pitch two or three or four innings right. if needed, just like Adam Warren did in 2013. And that's the name they invoked when they brought up Mitchell. That's what right. Yeah, he wants to. He's Adam Warren esque. It's the name I invoked when I, you know, um, did the article about what's his role and all that. It's, mm-hmm. it's talked. It's been talked about ad nauseum and and even after you throw up. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, if something happens there, he'll definitely – he might make the team anyway, but he's definitely there in that case because he's going to be that guy. The middle of the bullpen, some guys have pitched well. Kirby Yates has pitched well. Um, Brandon Pinder's pitched well. Tyler Olson has pitched well. Some, You know, Nick Rumbelow really hasn't. Nick Goody's been okay. Johnny Barbado's been pretty good. There's a lot of guys. It might just be it might be a two a two sided shuttle this year, with uh, you know Shreve, Batances, Miller, whoever the long man is. Somebody wins a spot, and then there's a lefty righty shuttle for the last two, while um, you know somebody wins a spot in place of Chapman, and then the lefty righty shuttle goes into play. It's a very very good possibility. They already shipped out Lindgren. Yeah, felt he was pressing a little bit too mm-hmm. much too. So. He's got electric we'll stuff, though. He does. I mean, if he if he goes and stews for a little bit in AAA, he <laughs> could he could be back up there. Just has to stay healthy. He looks like the best of the bunch in terms of like this guy could be a late inning. I mean, you know, the Yankees have Miller for three more years, counting this one. But Did Tantas you see him in four. person down down there when you were there? Jake Lingard. Yeah, yeah, he he got sent out the day we left. Oh, okay. So I saw him pitch once and talked to him quite a bit. Um. But he's he's got electric stuff. He's got he might be the best of the bunch in terms of this guy can be a late inning weapon. Uh, so we'll see what happens. I mean, he's you got to remember he's been a pro for two years. Yeah, not even. So all right. So <clears throat> the big story in baseball the past couple of weeks when we haven't been doing shows has been this Adam LaRoche saga in Chicago with the White Sox, actually in Arizona where they train, but. Uh, I don't know where you fall on this. Our producer for Nets Basketball and the BP show, the batting practice show here on the S Network, Josh Isaac and I uh, had a candid discussion about it at the diner the other night while we were... That's uh, at really just Josh on Twitter. Yes. So we always throw out Twitter handles. And at Elm Street Diner on um, Instagram, <laughs> if you want to check that out. But uh, my boy John owns that, and uh, we have uh, dinner there every time we do a Nets game. 
but uh, that has nothing to do with what we talked about with LaRoche. Uh, he pretty much asked me flat out what the deal was. And at the time, we didn't know everything. Now we know everything. And I'm glad I kind of kept my mouth shut because Twitter is notorious for you know a story <laughs> coming out and then everybody wants to go put their thoughts out there before the entire story comes out. Kenny Williams first, he was saying there were, you know, uh, complaints from players, complaints from management. Uh, and then play, certain players were calling him out on that. Adam Eaton. Chris Hale. Chris Hale. And then, I think it was yesterday or it was either Friday or Saturday or yesterday, a story came out that actually there were other players who were complaining. Now, I want to put you in the shoes of a guy, and this is what I said to Josh. And listen, I don't have any problem with the kid coming into the clubhouse once or twice during spring training. I don't want him there every day. I don't want somebody in there every day when I want to be myself, and I can't because there's a 13- or 14-year-old kid in there. I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. I would be one of the guys that's complaining. I get LaRoche wants to be with his kid. I get that he wants to be a good father. And you can, and you can never give anybody any guff for that. No. Good on him. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm the same way. I, I'd rather be a Hall of Fame father than a Hall of Fame broadcaster. We'll have to talk about that at the end. I don't know if you just saw that coming no. off the scroll. I'll, t- I'll bring it up. But, again, it, here, Lou DiPietro, you were drafted by the White Sox in 2012. You've been toiling in the minor leagues for the past – Four years, yeah, four years, okay, or three years. You've got invited to your first major league camp with a 90% chance of making the club. You're 22, 23 years old, all right? There are other young kids there, and, and you're trying to joke around and, and be young, you know, young guys in a baseball clubhouse, you know, towels wrapped around you, maybe not even like walking around naked. So I'm the kid that's going to play shortstop for them this year. Tyler Saladino, that's who I am? Okay. Wouldn't you feel a little put off if you're trying to come into your own in your first really major league spring training clubhouse experience when there's a 13-year-old kid in there every day and you don't get any peace from it? I, I, I guess. Um, I'm only in the clubhouse an hour and change a day, you know. As are you anytime we're there. It's, we're, we're restricted to the media access time. So we don't know what goes on 24-7 inside the clubhouse. But now we weren't said, getting the whole story either right. from Sale and Eaton. Right. Now that said, this is where I fall on this. If it's a prearranged thing that they had with LaRoche where they said it was cool and then they went back on it, then LaRoche has every right to react the way he did. He does. And, and just say, you know what, forget you, I'm done. There's two sides to that, though. Would this be an issue if Adam LaRoche didn't sign a $25 million contract last winter and then go out and hit 220 with 12 home runs? If Adam LaRoche was close to Adam LaRoche last year, would this be an issue? How much of an issue would it be? That's the question. Like, I get the, I understand the thing. Now, granted, I know some 13 year olds who are pretty cool to hang out with. Some of my wife's cousins and kids, you know, they're, 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 they're cool kids to hang out with for a while. I wouldn't want to spend my entire life around them. Right. So I, I, I get it. And I also get that, I mean, listen, you have two kids. You know, they've, yeah. they've been here once or twice, right? Yeah. 
you know, Josh has two kids. He's brought them in. You bring know, them people, around every damn day. People bring in the baby, but, you know, uh, my boss has a kid who comes in once in a while on days where his, you know, he's kind of with, with Kyle for a little while. I wouldn't want him sitting in my boss's office every day. I just went to Minneapolis and Toronto with the Nets. Do you think I could have t- taken my older daughter with me and got her a credential? No. And have her sat there, sit there with me during the game? No. No. And be in the, be in the locker room? <laughs> interviewing players pre and post game? No. It's there's very few places where you could you know bring your child to the workplace now and then let alone all the time. So it's that it's that issue is is the problem. And like I said, would this be a problem if Adam LaRoche didn't hit 220 with 12 home runs? I'm going to go out on a I limb mean, and say no. I I mean, let's be fair. The White Sox want to get rid of that 13 million dollars yeah, They want to win. They have a good team. You know, LaRoche stunk last year and, and wasn't worth his contract. This is his last year, you know, under contract. It could be, it could have been his last year in baseball anyway. He's in his mid-30s. So who knows how much more he would have been like, ah, I don't care how well I do. Like, you know, the Ken Griffey Jr. retirement tour where he was napping in the dugout. And Ken Griffey Jr. was kicked out yeah. of the Yankees clubhouse when he was a kid. That's right. And you can ask Jack Curry about that. <clears throat> He'll tell you the story about talking to Ken Griffey about coming to the Yankees. And he said, no, I'll never play for him. They wouldn't let me in a clubhouse when I was a kid. It's a workplace. Regardless of what it is, it's a workplace. Now, spring training is a little different animal, but you know what? You know, you see you see them in the clubhouse now and then. I've, I've seen Brett Gardner's kids in the clubhouse after wins a couple times, and, you know, other players have had their, their children in the clubhouse once in a while. Not every day. Like I said, you've brought in your kids a couple times. Josh has brought in the kids. Everybody here that has a baby brings in the baby eventually, and everybody right. meets the baby. And the, you gotta see the baby. Not every day. It's a work. It's a workplace, not not a rec center. So right. right. I, I said I. He, um, uh, if it was in his contract, they say it's a, was a verbal agreement. But if it, even a verbal agreement that it was cool, and then they reneged, uh, he has that's that's terrible. That's a jerk, I'll agree with that. That's it a is. jerk move, and he has every right to do what he did. Yeah, but I side with the White Sox. It's a jerk one. store move, but right. You, well, they called and they're running out of you. So there you go. <laughs> what did you see on the crawl that you wanted to see? DraftKings. What about it? New York. Done. Yeah, we'll, we can talk about that after we finish this Laroche thought. Oh, okay. Um. But yeah, I so, I sort of side with the White Sox. Like I I don't blame the players who are like, look, I don't want a thirteen year old. Like if you want to get him a job as a clubhouse attendant for the summer or a bat boy or whatever, so that he can be somewhat in the area, go that way. That's fine, but not just a random buy. He had a locker. Yeah, not just a random hanger on. For he lack had of a better word. freaking locker. Yeah, I I agree. I I side with the White Sox and whoever complained. Good lord. Anyway, well, I mean. Really? What's how's that any different than me? Like, uh, you know, just bringing a rando in here. Oh, I'm hanging out with my buddy today. Uh, we're going golfing, but I got to work for two hours, so he's going to sit here in the cube and just hang out. I don't think anybody would have a problem. <laughs> True, probably. <laughs> Anywho, so what's going on with DraftKings? So I just saw on the crawl that uh, New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, whose name has become synonymous with hating daily fantasy over the last year, okay. Uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, they came to an agreement that they're going to cease paid operations in the state of New York immediately as they explore legislation to make it legal. Granted, I fall on their side. I don't understand how Daily Fantasy isn't gambling. I don't either. But, um, I don't know. Are, are you putting money into an account? Mm-hmm. Are you losing the money if you don't win? Mm-hmm. Are you winning money when you win? Mm-hmm. It's gambling. Sounds like gambling to me. There was something I, I saw. I didn't see the exact full thing, but something about possibly looking at making them pay restitution to losers 
who have lost tons of money or something. It's it's a it's a it's a poop show, you know, and a half at this point. It's amazing. You say a word, and I immediately think of Seinfeld. It's a second time. You said, see the baby. Well, yeah, and then you went into the whole jerk store thing, yeah. And then you said restitution. <laughs> Do you know what that's from? No. Kramer got the bad fruit. Oh. And he went back in. I think the guy's name was Pete. I demand restitution. Yeah, and he goes, I want restitution. You want restitution? You're banned. <laughs> Banned from the store, Jerry. I think that was the Mackinac Peach episode. What's the one where they all get banned from the fruit store? And then Jerry goes in. He's like, I'll just have a couple of these. He's like, you're buying fruit for Kramer. Is it that one? I don't think so. It might have been. Yes, yes. Plantains. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're banned, too. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. So that's three Seinfeld references. Those, those in guys one get podcast. banned from a lot of places. The Chinese they restaurant. The, the Blacklist. Nazi, yes. Yeah, just come on. There's no, no bread with my mulligans You're on, on our list. That was a good one, too. She was dating a communist. I have never had a street cuff <laughs> steal my armoire, however. <laughs> Wasn't that great? That was The Hampton tremendous. Tomatoes. Yeah, boy. That's such a great show. We, we, we do that often, the Snoopy and Prickly Pete. I, I, I've done that. Actually, Snoopy and Prickly Pete! Actually, Rob Nicoleski, who is Jody Applegate's ex-husband... Uh, who Jody's now married to Michael K, but Rob and I worked together at MSNBC, and Jody actually was at MSNBC. They both came in from Arizona, um, and they bought they bought a dog, and Rob actually named the dog Prickly, Prickly Pete, Pete. <laughs> Snoopy, and Prickly Pete. <laughs> I have a house in the Hamptons. I have horses too. Yeah, really. What are their names? Snoopy and, and Prickly Pete. <laughs> Oh God! The greatness of the greatness of Seinfeld could be a multi-part podcast all on its own, and we'd have to get our old buddy Oriama on here to do yeah. that with us. Do you know I went and did the Brown and Scoop podcast, CBS? Radio. I saw that. I made the reference. You were cheating yeah, on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Jake Brown, who's one of the co-hosts, and Brandon Robinson, who is Scoop Robinson, but Jake never saw Coming to America. Wow, he never saw. Harlem Nights. He never saw. He got game. I don't know. He if, didn't know I, who. He, I've probably seen Harlem Nights, but don't remember much he, about it. But I've seen the other two a million times. Each. He doesn't know who Jesus Shuttleworth's father was. Denzel. So we kind of. I got don't see him. his Denzel. I see him as Denzel's best friend. Yeah. That's from a wrestling movie. He kind of. He kind of got him. Uh, wow. We kind of got on him for that. Jesus Shuttlesworth is easily a starter on the all-time all-movie basketball team. I mean, we've Neon, done it. We've done Boudot. it. We've done it a few times for baseball on the site with you know all time stars. But he's yeah, Jesus Shuttlesworth is easily the starting uh, one of the starting guards on that team. And Neon Boudot. Neon Boudot has got to be in there. He's just dominant in the paint. Ricky he, Rowe he can't stop. Nah, <laughs> Ricky Rowe's a good shooter, but I mean, there's. I don't know. I don't know. He, Chitwood, Jimmy Chitwood. Jimmy Chitwood would probably be on there just on principle. Ollie, I mean, Ollie, how, not so much. How do you leave him out? Yeah. Who else? Uh, that's, that's that's a Michael Jordan Space Jam. Oh yeah, yeah. Larry I mean, Bird didn't play in that, so he he can't be included. He was in Blue Chips, though, as as you well know. He was. He he ran into him in French Lick when he was looking for Ricky mm-hmm. Rowe. Yep. Such a cheesy movie, but I watch it every time. It's one of those time. movies where they have all these cameos, and you're like, oh, my God, these yeah, guys are in yeah, it. It's yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah, it has yeah. nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. Like, how does Pete Bell know Larry Bird? Jer- Jerry Tarkanian. Jimmy Bayheim's in there. My buddy Jim Bayheim. 
God, I hate Syracuse. And they went to the Sweet 16 this I weekend. know. Cinderella. Well, uh, they enjoyed their little slap on the wrist last year, and now they're, they get to go back to the Sweet 16. Must be nice to be Teflon up there in Syracuse. I saw somebody tweet or put on Facebook, and I don't remember who it was. Maybe you can remind me, but said that Syracuse, I hope you enjoyed it, but beating a 7 and a 10, or the 7 and a 15. They beat a 7, yeah, and then a, a 7 and a 15 doesn't mean you deserve to be in the tournament, but enjoy it anyway. Yeah, well... Whoever that was, I'll probably find them and follow them. It's true. We just, I just did this week's Niner on the site is uh, our favorite Cinderella's, and I was looking back at some of them, and there's... Richmond, 1991. The Spiders. A 15 beat a 2. They're not on... You know who that 2 was? Syracuse. Yeah. They're not on the list, but another 15 is on the list. Santa Clara in 93. Steve, Steve, Nash, Steve, Steve Nash. Nash beating Damon Stoudemire in the first yeah. round. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. The pimpled, pimpled face Steve Nash. Yep. On its Arizona team that had Stoudemire and Khalid Reeves. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Also, the George Mason team from 06 that UConn was expected to cruise to the title, and they beat him in overtime in the Elite Eight. Yeah, my bracket's kind of... That was the first of back-to-backs for Florida. That was the, the beginning of the Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford legend. My, my brackets are no longer in the running. I, I had Michigan good, State winning it all. I got a so. good outside shot in two of the ones I'm in. I, I only so. did one. I did three. And I didn't pay for it. I just did a Yahoo one yep. just for the hell of it because um, I didn't want to gamble. <laughs> you know what, though? Eric, New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman will hold off pursuing underlying litigation that, if successful, would force DraftKings and FanDuel to pay restitution to participants who lost money playing the site's games until an appeals hearing is held in September. All right, so they're not going to make them do that, but it's still illegal. All right. All right. Um, I didn't watch much college basketball this year, mm-hmm. but I keep up with it, and I just went with gut feelings and teams and matchups, and I've done pretty well. So I, I picked coaches. I that's, had... that's why the secretary, the office secretary, wins the pool is the joke because yeah. there really is no rhyme or reason to March Madness. I, I picked coaches. I had Izzo. I had Cal, uh, who's also out. I had uh, Shevsky. And who else did I have? Who was my final four? See, oh, had, Oklahoma. Yeah, I had a handful of teams that I had Michigan State going a lot further than they did, which really a 15 beating a two, you, you can never call that. It's happened no. seven times on 130 tries. You never think Izzo's going to lose a yeah. first-round game. Um, you know, I, I picked Indiana to go far because I think Indiana got jobbed a little bit. I think they were – the Big Ten wasn't as – the Big Ten wasn't as great top to bottom as a lot of conferences – Michigan State was good. Indiana was good. Wisconsin was decent. Michigan got in the tournament. The rest of the, the league, you know, Iowa was a low seed. There, there's a lot of a lot of middle parity, but I think Indiana was better than people think because of it. I, I tell people, anybody who will listen to me. And never. I picked I picked Gonzaga because they've reached the Sweet yeah. 16 four times as a double-digit seed in 15 years. And never trust the Big East. And who did they yeah. beat in the first round? Somebody from the Big East. And who lost, who lost to Wisconsin yesterday? Somebody from the Big East. Yeah. Xavier. Yeah, there you go. And they were two. Also, never trust the Pac-12. No. Oof. Which I'm shocked Oregon. Five, team, five teams lost in the – they had seven bids. Five of them lost in the first round. I'm shocked Oregon's in the Sweet 16. I don't think they're going to go too much farther. I have them losing to Oklahoma in all of my brackets in the Elite Eight. But, uh, yeah, it's it's madness. It's fun. It was a lot of fun to watch. Northern Iowa, the, the 44 seconds against Texas A&M. I saw the highlights. And, you know, that game's 12 with 44 seconds left. Uh, Greg Breton, one of our, uh, uh, our GB, our AD on the Michael K show, it's associate director to you and me. Um, 
he told me 44 seconds left. They were down 12. I, I went to another game. I yeah, said, well, I turned, why I, wouldn't you? I it's went to Wisconsin Xavier. Game. Yeah, It's a 12-point game. What are you sticking around for? You know, if it's a four-point game, okay, six points even. I don't know, but 12? That looked like I just took uh, my eldest daughter to see the uh, Harlem Wizards against her teachers and principal and some people. The Harlem Wizards? Are, is that like a Globe Trotters offshoot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they've been around since 1962, whereas the Trotters have been around since Forever, the 20s. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's dignitaries in our hometown and the teachers and the principal. And At the beginning of the game, they pressed the teachers and scored 10 straight points before they backed off, just showing how they could pressure, steal, and score, and pressure, steal, and score. That basically, that last 44 seconds was, was, was the Wizards against the teachers. Yeah. Northern Iowa looked lost. And I feel for that kid, Bohannon, who was on the bench. He hurt his knee, and he, was, he looked like he wanted to cry because he couldn't be out there helping his team. And, I mean, it cost him in the end. But Yeah, of course it did. Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith were great after that. Last night. Charles was like, man, I'll never get on a, these kids. They go to school. They ain't playing basketball, but... I'll never use that C word meaning choke. He's like, but man, they, they're gonna look back at that tape. And Kenny was like, I wouldn't even watch it. No, never. <laughs> like, yeah, I, terrible. That was terrible. And then they're the team that won on the half court heave, the buzzer beater. Yeah. The guy tried it. The same guy tried one at the end. Of, I forget if it was regulation or the first overtime. Tried the same thing and was close. He must practice that. He must. Just like the kid from Wisconsin who practices that three in the corner. It shows. Kenny was saying as well that, you know, in the time he played with Olajuwon, teams would force him into shots. And, he's like, what they didn't know is that was the shot Hakeem wanted to take. Mm-hmm. That's what he's looking for. Same thing with, with that kid. Um, <clears throat> but the tournament, 13, 13 of the 32 first-round games were won by the lower seed. Ten, ten double-digit seeds won, which is a record. They said going three in. Of, and three of the four nines. It's just not as good. Like, you don't have as many good teams as you <clears> used <throat> to have. Yep. You know, unless you look at the women's draw. And then you're basically picking chalk. If you pick chalk in the women's side, you're, you're going to do very well. Yeah, I would fill in UConn for all 67 games. Yes. I just, you know, what, even the yeah. games they're not in. Yeah. It doesn't matter who yeah. wins. Um, maybe Notre Dame on the other side of the bracket. But... Yeah, the, the 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 Sweet Sixteen, it's a, a one two three four, a one two three five, in two of the regions, and then mm-hmm. the other ones it's like one five six seven, and one I think one four ten eleven, like, so, you know, what is that? Twelve of the top sixteen seeds are are in it, but two double digit seeds are in it too. It just there's so much. See, and I, I know Syracuse beat lower seeded teams to get where they are. A seven and what was it? A seven and a... F- well, they won their first game against a seven, and then they, right, beat, Middle, they beat Middle Tennessee. Right. Who upset in yeah. their first Michigan round State. game. Michigan State. So <laughs> I could see why they are where they are. They're in a tough conference. The ACC battle tests you. You got to go up against Duke. You got to go up against North Carolina. The ACC is 12 and one. There you go. I mean, in the tournament. it doesn't shock me that Syracuse is in the Sweet 16 for that fact alone. The Big East. They're twelve and one in Maryland, who was in the ACC until a couple years ago, is also in the. And my team is in the Big East in St. John's, and they won one game, one freaking game. You know, you look at them on your schedule. It's like, yeah, okay. The Big- whoever beat St. John's twice, it's like. Ugh. 
The Big East proved this year that in terms of the power conferences, they are number five and a half. Yeah. Because the Pac-12 didn't do so hot either. No. But, um, you know, there's only 16 teams in the Sweet 16, so all these teams, some play each other, this, that. There's, you know, you're not going to get – that's why six teams in the Sweet 16 for one conference is a record uh, for gotta, the ACC. I, but It was a tough year for my Red Storm, but yeah. – uh, Tough year for my Temple Owls, who Matt, lost on a on a putback at the yeah. buzzer. Matt Abdelmasa and Chris Mullen, they have the uh, top-rated recruiting class coming into the Big East and 17th overall in the country next year. So hopefully this is the start of things starting to turn back around for St. John's on the uh, basketball court. The Big East, could, you look, Villanova could go far. We, we know they, they, yeah. have, a ten, they, them and they Kansas, have a tendency to choke. Them like and Kansas. Kansas have a tendency to choke, yes. so you never know. But they could go far. But, you know, Xavier losing in the second round hurts. Seton Hall losing in the first round to a lesser team hurts. Providence, um, they got by the first Providence round. Providence won their eight nine game, but then they lost in the, in the, the next round. Georgetown ha- wasn't good this year. No, Butler did the same thing. They won their first game and then lost. So you know they had two nines that won the eight nine game and then lost to number ones. They had two teams that should have been something lose early and then Villanova and Seton Hall was, you know, they were twelve and two down the stretch. They lost to Butler twice. And like you said, none of those teams is St. John's or Georgetown. No. So I mean, you know, Creighton, Marquette, DePaul if you can get, do whatever yeah. they want, but if you get St. John's and Georgetown back to prominence along with Villanova, then you've got some then you got then you're cooking. Our then spo- you got something spoiler going. Spoiler alert, our number one Cinderella is Villanova, eighty five, the lowest seeded team never win a yeah. tournament. Yeah. The Ed Pinckney, Ed Pinckney. uh Raleigh Massimino. Raleigh Massimino era. Beating uh there's a couple of pretty good players on that 85 Georgetown team, as far as I remember, that Ewing. did so well in the NBA. Yeah, what was that guy's name? Patrick Ewing? Yeah. Yeah, he did pretty well. Yeah, he did. He had a pretty good career. David he didn't win Wingate, a championship. David Wingate was on that team. Career. He played in the league for a long time. Yep. Unfortunately, Ewing <laughs> came out around the same time Michael Jordan did, so. Yeah. One other thing, oddly, we were talking about, we, we can wrap this up by talking a little bit about the Nets. Um, they're still playing. Okay. The uh, nineteen and fifty eight eight teams have won the NBA title in the last twenty five years since the Bulls dynasty began. Okay, <laughs> that's no, that's what I'm saying. Like people talk about the NFL and dynasties oh, and baseball okay. and stuff. Eight teams have won the NBA. Actually, it's longer than that because the Lakers, Celtics, and Pistons have all won it since. San Antonio, Golden State, Miami, Miami, Dallas, Dallas. The Lakers, the Celtics, the, the Lakers, Pistons, the, Celtics, the Spurs. The Pistons and the Sp- yeah, I said the And Spurs. the Bulls. And the Bulls. So three teams in the last – eight teams in the last 20 years have won the NBA title. Yeah. And if um, you go back another 10 beyond that, all you're adding is the Rockets back-to-back, and that's it. Because every other year in the 80s and into the early 90s, it was the Bulls, Lakers, Celtics, and Pistons. Let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're Calipari – why are you staying at Kentucky? Josh and I were talking about this too. I mean, why aren't you at least listening to the Nets? Because you get these top blue chip prospects every year, one and dones, NBA prospects, and you have one title. One. Did we did we talk about this? Was this you and me or is this you and AJ talking about my Gino Oriama theory? About why he hasn't left that UConn? That was, was you and AJ. Okay. It was not me. It's the same reason Gino Oriama hasn't left UConn to go do something else. First, well, other than the fact that Calipari has coached in the NBA and it didn't go well, it's a different world, obviously. 
And look at Gene Oriam at UConn. In the last 30 years, he's turned that, that into the preeminent program in college basketball. Nice catch. The preeminent program in college basketball, period. Not like women's basketball. Like The UConn women are the preeminent collegiate basketball team in the country of all 9,000 colleges that play NCAA or NAIA basketball. To the point where it's not a story if they win. It's a story right. if they lose. They've, they've won... They've won 71 straight games. Like if they win another championship, it's yeah. not even a story. They, they've won this, – this, this is how great it is. They've won 71 straight games now that they're into the Sweet and 16. And they had a 90-game winning streak not too long yeah. ago too. This is their third 70-plus game winning streak in the last decade. That's ridiculous. Okay. This will be their fourth straight national title. And the seniors that graduate this year have lost three games so far. They should change the tournament on the women's side and just do like a like an just, NCAA Division One All Star team against UConn. Yeah, pretty much, and and make that your title game. The the Power Conference champions, the Middle right. Conference All Stars, right. and yeah. right, yeah, fight to the death. Yep. <laughs> Sometimes it's just not. I mean, look, I'm not taking anything away from Oriyama and what he's built there, but. You want people to watch a game where you're favored by 56 and a half points? And they cover the spread? That's ludicrous. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's ludicrous. I, the point I was, where, well, what's the fun in that? The point I was going to with that is this. Where's or, the competitiveness? Oriam is so successful. It's a well-oiled machine that if he goes somewhere and does something else and fails, he's not going to be remembered as Gene Oriam, architect of the greatest program in college sports history. He's going to be known as Gene Oriam, the guy who could only coach the UConn women. So... That may extend, especially since Cal has failed in the NBA before, that John Calipari is a very good college coach. People want to go play for him. He's always going to have a job at a high-profile school. If he ever leaves Kentucky, he'll get another one somewhere. He's always going to have that job where he comes in and he does that, and the cycle begins anew once a year. You get comfortable in that. Why would you want to – he's comfortable and he's very well paid. I guess. You know – I mean, Billy Donovan's doing a good job with the Thunder, but – He'd get paid with the Nets for sure. No, yeah, That's Bill, not going to be an issue. Billy Donovan's doing a great job with the Thunder. He never would have had to have left Florida. Roy Williams is never going to have to leave North Carolina. Bill Self will never have to leave Kansas, no matter how bad they are a season or two There's at a time. another team that didn't even get a slap on the wrist. Yep. You know, Jay Wright will never leave Villanova. All of these coaches never have a reason to leave these big schools they've turned into powers or continued as powers. Coach K and Duke, why bother? The NBA game is so volatile. I guess. And even with the one and dones, you know, Kentucky, they might not win a championship every year, but Kentucky's going to be in the tournament in Perennial the Sweet 16 top every 10 year. Team. Yeah. Duke is going to be, you know, Duke had a down year this year and was a four seed in the tournament and are in the Sweet 16. That's just the way it is. Why go somewhere else? Why go to the NBA? Why take the job in Minnesota and go in there with three guys who you could have been coaching or probably would have been coaching in college if the rules were different because Carl Anthony Towns is there, as is Andrew Wiggins. Why why go there and fail with a with a young team against NBA veterans when you can go be above average to very good to occasionally great at Kentucky and get paid very well and, and the status quo will remain as long as you want it? Why? Uh, I don't know. You said the Nets. We wanted to talk about the Nets. They're playing out the string. They have, what are they, 19, 19 and 50, 50 so they got 13, 13 games, games left. left. <clears throat> as we tape this here on Monday, the next game they play is uh, Charlotte tomorrow, tomorrow night against the Hornets. 
so 10 of their last 13 games are against teams that are either in the playoffs already or fighting to get their way into the playoffs. So the Nets, the only thing left for and them— And one of the other three is against the Knicks, so you know we'll yeah. show up for that. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. so the only thing really left for the Nets is to play spoiler. Um, uh, Brooke Lopez didn't play in the last game against the Pistons in Detroit. He had a virus. Uh, the Nets, as per usual, uh, dug themselves a huge hole. And that a, they had a fight back, and they did fight back, and they took a five-point lead. And then the rest of the game, Detroit outscored them, I think, 32-12. to 12. Mm-hmm. So you got, you got a nice piece in Sean Kilpatrick, who just signed the multi-year extension. He deserves it. He's been playing his rear end off. Yep. Uh, that's a nice story. Um, Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young are having the best seasons of their career. Nice story. Markel Brown has looked good in spurts. Markel Brown has looked good in spurts. Uh, but this team, it is what it is. And if they're not, if they can't attract a big name free agent, you're looking more of the same next year. Yeah. It, it, more of the same. It's At least not we can say now that we know Sean Marks has a plan. They'll find he a coach does. in this. They'll find a coach this They'll summer. They'll find a coach, but it's not going to get any better. Unless they get a top-notch yeah. free agent, it's not going to get any better. I don't care how, how many positive vibes you put on it. I, Sean Kilpatrick is not the answer to compete with the Golden State Warriors. Nope. I'm sorry. He's not. But you know what? The other thing Nets fans have to realize is it's not going to be like the, the Billy King Golden era where he got everybody and their brother that's been an all-star. They're not going to do that this time. It's it's a different world, so it's going to take a while. It's going to take another year or two before they're... But there is a certain free agent who is out there this summer. Does his name rhyme with uh, Devin Courant? Yes. And if, if he doesn't come, and it's another season of Andrea Bargnani's and Shane Larkin's, uh, what are we doing here? You know... We've talked about it often. We've talked about, you know, the Nets don't have the draft pick per se, but the Knicks with Porzingis, they went out and signed guys that complemented the team, and they did well to start. And it hasn't gone well the last 20 games. And they're 0-8 without Carmelo in the line. Right. But they at least had a star to build around. The Nets, yeah. you know, they've got Brook and Thad, so now they need to add a third piece and go from there. And it's going to take time. Next year might not be pleasant either, but come 2017-18, I'm sure Sean Marks and whoever he hires as a coach will have something hey, in the works. They're going in the right direction yep. with their general manager that they hired. But net fans who think this is going to turn around in a year, it ain't happening. I watched a Bulls team that had guys that I, I heard their names and I'm like, he's still in the NBA. <laughs> Dominic, like Etwan Moore. Yeah. I was like, he's still, like, I remember yeah. he was good at Purdue uh-huh. years ago. Not so much since. And he was torching them at times. Yeah. And uh, Felicio and, and these other guys. Like, There's another game. The Nets were down by 26. They came all the way back. I think they cut it to four. Yeah. And then the Bulls ran away with it. This Nets team this year, I, I could understand why there are some bald net, Nets fans. Um, because they make you want to pull your hair out. Because they're so good in spurts. You haven't seen a full 48. And the reason why is they don't have the talent and it's not me saying it. It's people like Donnie Marshall. He said it on the air. It's not like I'm calling out his spot. He said it on the air. Mike Fratello said it on the air. Let's be honest. They don't have the talent. Brooke Lopez, that young. Okay. What else? What else? What else you got? The one thing they do have that we can, we can end on a good note, the one thing they do have is the best play-by-play man in New York, according to the Emmy Awards. Yeah, I That's the Birdman. Again. Shocker. 
he, I just said this on Brown and Scoop. He is, for my money, the best play-by-play voice out there right now is Ian Eagle. You could disagree with me all you want. He is. There's nobody better. Someone who could take a 19-win team and back in 2009 and 2010 and take a 12-win team and make those broadcasts listenable and watchable deserves an Emmy every damn season. The 22-44 and 44 lockout team, which was my first team here. Same thing. It's just it's an enjoyable broadcast when Bird is at the mic. It really is. And he deserves it, so congrats to him. I think that's a good high note to end on, like I said. Absolutely. We did well at the Emmys, so yeah. congrats to everyone at Yes That Won. Including Again, Bird. And, uh, including Bird, indeed. And we did we did a magic hour in our first first time back in three we weeks. We did, and it's a good thing it's over because I have to... Uh, Use the restroom? Yes. Yes. I've been drinking a lot of water. We'll let you fill in the visuals. It's okay, also everybody. about 600 degrees in here. It always is. So we'll wear, we'll wear guinea tees next show. <laughs> Come in in gym shorts. We'll take, we'll take pictures. For Lou, I'm Chris. Later. <laughs>